Both Emily and I, along with the entire team here at XMY Communications, send you our very best and warmest wishes for a very Merry Christmas. To show our appreciation for you, we've given you a very special present this year. It's a $20 gift card you can spend like cash at the XMY Communications store. Now, simply head over to mountaintoppodcast.com front slash gift if you're a guy and scottandemily.com front slash gift if you're a woman and tear through it all like gift wrap. You'll find all of the most popular and powerful XMY Communications programs along with lots of premium audios, ebooks, and so much more. You can even apply your gift card towards a laser coaching session. It's all at mountaintoppodcast.com front slash gift for men and scottandemily.com front slash gift for women. Once again, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays from our house to yours. And now, stay tuned as Emily and I talk relationships. But fair warning, we're in rare form this time around. Chalk it up to the holiday spirit, right? Here we go. Live from the mysterious, mist-enshrouded mountaintop fortress that is X and Y Communications Headquarters, you're listening to X and Y on the Fly, the dating podcast, with your hosts, Scott and Emily. Hello again, and welcome to the big show. My name is Scott McKay. And I'm Emily McKay. And today we are going to address a topic that uh, came up last week in an episode of the Mountaintop Podcast. Uh, what had happened, Emily, was I was thinking about relationships uh, based on you know a couple of the Facebook posts I had read lately, and it occurred to me, like a lightning bolt, that I have never met anybody who was in a wonderful, happy relationship who was a miserable person. Well, that's an interesting thought. Come to think of it, I can't think of somebody who I would describe as miserable or hard to be around who, you're right, doesn't have... A miserable relationship. Well, you know, you're putting a little spin on it already, above and beyond what I was thinking. Because you're saying that miserable people, people who are innately miserable, you know, which we'll define in a minute or two, are almost always in miserable relationships. Now, that would descend from the simple fact that it takes two to tango in a relationship, right? <laughs> you would think. I don't know. I think it'd be possible to be in a relationship that is miserable, but at least one person knows how to contribute some joy to it. Well, now there's another spin on the whole thing. Can you be in a miserable relationship and somehow decide not to be miserable? I think that's possible, but I think there's a lot to cover today on that. Yeah, man, we've already got three different angles on <laughs> this whole idea of being in a miserable relationship versus, or vis-a-vis -vis even, being a miserable person. Or best of all, being not miserable, being in a great relationship. Well, that's what we would all hopefully aim towards. Right. Especially during COVID when we're stuck at home with the one person that we're with all the time. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding, right? What a barometer for how miserable your relationship really is. I mean, during lockdown, you're with someone. Would you rather be all alone with no one than stuck to the person you're with? Or is it really no big deal to be with the person you're under lockdown with these days because you would rather not be locked down with anybody else? Right. Get all snuggly, turn on the fireplace, and just enjoy life together at home 
Until everything opens up. Yeah, well, before we make everybody else vomit, we're not exactly <laughs> there yet, we probably better get down to business here because this is not only a timely topic, it's an important one. So, all right. Basic premise. Anybody who's in a happy relationship, right? Yes. I've never met a miserable person who is in a happy relationship. So, two facets there. First of all, how am I doing as a person? And second of all, how is my relationship doing? And we already mentioned it takes two to tango. So, I think it's time to define miserable versus happy. Okay. I think that's a great start. Now... I think when we are talking about miserable, we're not talking about, okay, the day was kind of awful and we had a bad day and, you know, had a mood. We're talking about permanently miserable. I mean, to the point where people see you coming and you already have a label. Well, let's define miserable, okay, once and for all. To me, miserable is things aren't going well. I'm not happy. I'm not content right now. I hate I'm my in life. pain. I hate my life. This I hate sucks. my life is a good one. This sucks. Yeah. Negativity. Right. Nothing positive. Yeah. Right. You know, Now, miserable. can you be happy, miserable? There is misery and happiness. There's happiness and misery sometimes. Oh, what a solid take that is. You know, some people just seem to really enjoy being miserable. Yes. Well, can two people be in a miserable relationship together, both enjoying being miserable and irony of ironies at some meta level, they're actually happy? That might be possible come to think of it <laughs> well have you ever met anybody like that uh not really i've met couples who argued actually i knew one couple who argued who love each other to death now that reminds me of a book by mill millington that goes back probably 20 years now based on a blog he used to have this is a british guy by the way very very funny if you guys can still look him up if he's still out there on the net Things My Girlfriend and I Have Argued About.com. And then he wrote a novel based on that premise, loosely based on the events of his relationship with his girlfriend. And uh, they were long-term, by the way, live-in relationship. They've been together seven or eight years. And the basic premise of their relationship is they both really love arguing. So they're perfect for each other. But they're soulmates. But that doesn't make them miserable. Right. That's not the same as misery. I mean, they're enjoying complaining together. That That's something that's a hobby or a thing that they do together. Misery is that the person you're with brings absolute unhappiness to your life, to your soul, to the very depth of your soul, it irritates you. Well, that brings up the inevitable question. If someone enjoys being miserable, are they truly miserable by definition, or are they happy to begin with? Nobody can hear you shrug. <laughs> Emily's looking at me like a shrug emoji. I'm like, thinking, I don't know. No, I'm thinking that's so deep. It's such it's really a deep, deep conversation. Well, it's unthinkable to the likes of us because, you know, we like when things go well and we like when things are happy. But there are people out there. I mean, there are complete mental illnesses around, you know, I'm thinking of borderline personality disorder sufferers. They probably don't believe they're suffering, but everybody else around them is miserable, right? Uh, who just love drama. Well, the addiction to the chemical reaction in their brains to the drama, it's addictive. Some yeah. people enjoy it. And if there's nothing going on, as one person described it, uh, if there's nothing going on, it's very nerve-wracking and very uneasy and very unsettling because you don't know what's around the corner. What's going, you know, if something's happening in your life, you can at least be proactive and fight it. If nothing is going bad and everything's going wonderful, when is this big, ominous thing going to come and hit me by surprise and I can't see it. Uh, that drama 
It's amazing how some people are addicted to that lifestyle. That's a pretty whack idea of adventure, if you ask me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, things have to be going to hell in a handbasket in order for me to be quote-unquote happy. Normal. Right. Well, do you know two people in a relationship who are exactly like that? Because all I've ever heard are people who are subject to being in a relationship with someone who wants to create that kind of drama and everything prosperous must die. Hell, I've been in that relationship myself, and I will go on record as saying, even then, you know, long before I married you and realized how happy a relationship truly could be, I did what I could do to try to make lemonade out of the lemons I was given in that relationship. I did not want to be miserable. And it was almost as if my ex preyed upon that. Like, (laughs) yeah, the fact that you want prosperity, the fact that you don't find happiness in drama is really an easy way for me to make you miserable, she was thinking. And that brought her a twisted form of happiness. Now, that may be a biased opinion, but boy, that's how it played out. That's how it played out in real life. That's how it played out all through the court system till the eventual divorce. And it played out all the years I was paying child support until my daughter was 18. It was a constant in my dealings, in my relationship, if you will, with my ex. But hey, you know what? I think if I was exactly like her, I'm not sure we both would have been happy together. I think the world would have imploded. (laughs) I think it just, everything would have disintegrated and we both you know, I, I just don't think it was viable to have two people who want anything prosperous to die and want drama all the time. That can't last, can it? No, I don't think so. And But in your case, when you're dealing with someone who doesn't want to be truly happy, they enjoy the, the chaos, you can't fix that. that. That's a problem that's not fixable. But I think more often than not, most people are in relationships and don't realize that they are contributing to the unhappiness of the relationship. So just by changing what we do, if we pay attention to our own negativity and our own viewpoint, sometimes things aren't as bad as we make them out to be. And if we just change our mindset and then change how we react to things, we will uplift the other person and bring joy to our relationships. So we can, even though we can't control people, we can have an impact on a normal person. Well, that's true. And that brings up the idea that misery isn't necessarily a permanent state, right? Oh, thank goodness, right? Right. You know, we can we can go through perhaps a brief period in our time, hopefully brief, let's call it non-permanent period in our life where we're not happy, where we're not content, where our psychological chemistry is off. Yeah. I mean, goodness, women have hormones and we have periods and we have menopause and all that wonderful, crazy stuff that happens to us. Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, men aren't absolutely immune from those swings either. I mean, that's called being human. But getting back to all those points you brought up at the outset of the show, you know, you have this core idea, first of all, that I've never met anybody in a happy relationship who's miserable, right? But it's also worth asking, is it possible for me to be happy and not miserable if I'm not in a great relationship, right? Right. And that's, of course, very possible. We know lots of single people who are doing great emotionally, psychologically, and maybe they don't even want to be in a great relationship. So it's not like we're pushing this idea of being in a happy relationship down your throats here, dear listeners. It's simply a fact that, you know, we're covering all the angles. And we do know people, like I just mentioned, myself being a previous example thereof, who are trying to not be miserable even in a miserable relationship. So, yes, you can be in a miserable relationship 
and somehow rise above and not be so miserable. But I don't know anybody who's in a happy relationship who's miserable. Bottom line. That is true. It's hard to be miserable when someone, when everything's going great and the relationship's going great. There's nothing really to complain about. Well, let's be fair. I mean, things happen in life. I mean, shit happens. Okay, it's happened to us. We're not going to go into detail. We don't air our dirty laundry with everybody. After 15 years, I would imagine something has happened, right? Oh, At of least course. a few something. Of course. But, you know, you and I faced it together. Um, when things happen with the kids, we faced it with the kids. And the constant there was we were happy together. Yes. We happy are, to be going through it together. Yeah. We're content with our relationship. We like being together. Being together is a good, positive thing in our life. So like I've said so many times, the sum of one plus one equals three or four or seven or 10 or a thousand, because you and I are facing whatever it is that may make someone miserable, a miserable circumstance, so to speak, mm-hmm. together. We find comfort that we have each other to fight together with it. Right. So- If you have a great relationship, if you are happy together, chances are you're not a miserable person otherwise. Chances are you're an optimistic, generous person like we talk about. I mean, those are two of the three pillars that I talk about being important to a good, solid relationship. The third being getting each other, right? You know, we just understand what's on each other's minds. Uh, That, of course, is very important, and it makes things a lot less miserable when you know you're of the same mind. But I think what this leads to is the question of whether there's a cart and a horse here, or chicken and an egg. Yeah, right. I mean, which comes first? Do two happy, content, non-miserable people get together and create a non-miserable relationship? Or can finding a good, happy relationship alleviate previous misery? Or can it go either way? That's a good question. It is a great question. If you find the right person, I think it can make the misery go away if you're both determined to be happy together. I think that's true. And still, either way, I've never met someone who was in a happy relationship who was miserable. So regardless of which way that went, it turns out alleviating the misery. Now, isn't that an incredible counter to the idea of natural entropy, regardless of circumstances? Right. You would think of two people who aren't happy being single find each other. Some element, at least, of that lack of happiness, that lack of contentment, that misery in singleness would linger on. And I think that does happen. I think people think a relationship or finding this significant other is going to alleviate that misery. And when they project that responsibility onto the other person, or even mutually so, right, it just doesn't work out. And that's not the way to have a happy relationship that alleviates misery, right? Can you imagine finding somebody that you think you're in love with and that he or she seems really wonderful, and yet they're mad at you because you have disappointed them, all because you have not been able to live to the expectations of making them happy, making sure that they can find a way to find joy within themselves. That's a huge burden, don't you think? Sounds utterly miserable. (laughs) But, you know, we tend to do that to people sometimes. It's like, you make me miserable. How can you not? I mean, you you did this or that against me. And, you know, all the whole time, this person is oblivious to what's going on because they lack the communication or the skill sets to understand we are responsible for our own inner happiness. Right. We can bring ourselves down or bring ourselves up. Now, we can't encourage somebody. 
It's like bringing a horse to water. You can encourage somebody, but you can't make them drink. You can't physically turn on the button or push the button that says, hey, you're magically happy. No, you certainly can't. And a whole lot of things come to mind as you say that. Nowadays, we live in a culture that, at least on the surface, celebrates several things that may or may not be so healthy. The first is immediate gratification. Okay. I want a relationship and I want it now. And I never want it to suffer. <laughs> right. We're all full-grown versions of uh, Veruca Salt from Willy Wonka <laughs> running around. I want it now, you know. Although I'm not sure most of us are grown up, but that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> it's a good topic, actually. It is, isn't it? Yeah. My inner child. Grown-ups who haven't grown up. <laughs> oh, inner child stuff is good stuff. Okay. I don't, I don't think we should ever stop being curious and joyful and become jaded. Or maybe the, maybe the inner adult that never came out. Oh, that's a bigger issue. That's the issue of which I speak presently. I think a lot of people want something and they've been somehow taught by the self-help industry, certainly, you know, it's guilty of this, because it sells. And that's, you know, here's what you deserve. You already deserve it. Get what you want. You're entitled to this. And then that idea bleeds over to the relationship advice realm and becomes, okay, you are lovable. You're perfect. You're a goddess the way you are, right? This idea of the divine masculine, divine feminine, you're already uh, some sort of deity, perfect in every way, who should get what they want and you can order the universe to deliver whatever you want it to deliver to you without the simple regard for a fact that, um, here you go, wait for it, ready? There's someone else in this relationship. Okay. They have needs and wants and priorities as well. They're not our sexual slave? No. How disappointing. They're not Come our now. programmable robot designed to, you know, cough up anything we want every time we want it. And yet I see all sorts of people out there going, okay, here's what I want. I want this person to do this for me. I want this person to do that for me. Women's online profiles are infamous. We're talking about everything this man is going to do for them without bringing up anything that they're bringing to the table for the guy. It's like, okay, I'm cute. Call you- <laughs> <laughs> I'm cute. That's enough, right? It reminds me of that one call that you got where the lady was upset because you were suggesting such a thought. Oh, yeah. She called me a horrible person, you know. And I just said, well, if you're not willing to offer anything to a man, you know, her exact words, let's backtrack a little. Her exact words are, I don't owe any man anything until he proves it, right? And I basically put the shoe on the other foot and said, well, then why does he owe anything to you until you prove something? And how else are you going to prove it other than to demonstrate that you have something to offer and put on the table here in a relationship in the context of your online profile? And she just was not trying to hear that. I mean, it's up to a man to impress me first. That's kind of like playing poker without any chips. That's one big bluff, isn't it? (laughs) Well... Let's put it this way. That doesn't lead to a happy relationship. Now, whether the person is miserable or not, rather the person they're trying to attract is going to be as miserable as they are and they're two peas in a pod, or whether they're going to alleviate that person's misery, I guess would be in play there. But one thing I can guarantee you, I can double dog guarantee you, right? Can I triple dog you? (laughs) Oh, the dreaded triple dog guarantee. A little Christmas story reference there this time of year. Um, (laughs) Hopefully you can do this without sticking your tongue to a frozen (laughs) Well, I can find a pole to stick it to, but... (laughs) That won't be frozen. It's secret. 
God, thousands of people just click the off button in disgust. <laughs> I don't want to listen anymore. These two. I may have to hit the cutting room floor. Hey, that would make for a happy marriage, though. Yeah, we're not miserable. No. A frozen pole would make for a for a <laughs> miserable marriage, wouldn't it? Oh, that's a whole nother topic. Good grief. I digress. Well, the female receptacle being frozen would be even worse. Oh, boy. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you all see by now that we're both not miserable in this relationship, and it has a lot to do with the fact we're both huge dorks? I know, right? Probably has a lot to do with it. And we're in this, and we're here together 24-7 every day of our lives. <laughs> Let's talk about being dorky for a second, briefly. I know this is a total tangent. But did you ever notice most people who are genuinely dorky, I'm not saying nerdy, but dorky, aren't miserable. They're happy-go-lucky. Right. People and, laugh and giggle or know how right. to be playful. They're just total dorks. They're usually pretty non-miserable people. Yeah. Right. Meanwhile, people who roll their eyes at dorkiness and silliness generally are miserable people. Well, you know, being uptight and just thinking that everything has to be serious just isn't fun. No, think For of everybody. Yeah, yeah, I mean, think of any situational comedy TV show or movie you've ever seen. Someone's always happy-go-lucky, and someone's always uptight and therefore miserable. It's like a comedic device. It's such a stock character. It's like, which one do we want to be? The hmm. miserable person who is uptight and doesn't like any silliness and is too damn serious, takes themselves too damn seriously. Meanwhile, the other person who is happy-go-lucky and finds fun in everything and can't be serious about anything. I mean, it is, it's ironic comedy gold is what it is. Right. Well, I remember we were on vacation with our friend and we're in a transportation van. Our and one her, friend. Her and I. <laughs> my friend, I don't even know what you're talking friend, about. Veronica. We brought oh, okay. Veronica with us. Okay. And uh, her and I were just carrying on and chatting and giggling and just, just being absolutely silly. And the rest of the van was like, what on earth? <laughs> Everybody's so serious. And we're on vacation. You're supposed to have fun. I know, right? Yeah. All the places we visited in the world when we're involved with some sort of group tour. It's amazing how many people are literally on the trip of a lifetime and they're miserable. I want McDonald's. I haven't gotten any sleep. I think I'm getting sick. Oh, this place is so dirty. Why travel? Why are you here? Go home and be miserable without us. <laughs> no, don't bring it here. <laughs> yeah. I paid enough for this trip. I came to have fun. Don't spread that disease here. Hell, it's worse than COVID. Maybe there should be like miserable masks. If you're a miserable person, you got to help put on a whole suit of armor. To keep from infecting other people. I know. I need what that special mask that has a, the electric or the, the digital smile. You know, you push a button, people can see a digital smile through my mask. I thought you were going to say the electric cattle prod. So we can <laughs> shock these people into shape. Six feet away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that. I'll show you six feet. <laughs> I'll show you six feet. Anyway, back to the topic at hand here. <laughs> Sorry. I promise you didn't have anything to drink before this show. I promise. Mm, Scouts wait till honor. I finally get some in me. I know, right? Now you're back on the other topic. Mm. All right. So clearly, when someone is in a miserable marriage, they would rather not be in a miserable marriage. They would rather be getting along with the other person. They'd rather they'd rather be out there making good memories. They'd rather be out there being prosperous. You know, I didn't get into this relationship to be miserable, yet somehow. That still happens. Not we, but yeah, people find people themselves People in general there. are, yeah. And getting back to what we just said, sometimes that's because people go into a relationship with this preconceived notion that this other person is here to give me what I want. Happiness. Right. It's not deserve what you want, which 15 years ago now 
was actually an original thought. This idea of learning to deserve, preparing to deserve. The idea of being the kind of person who the person of your dreams is in turn going to want and be attracted to. And what that leads to is instead of being selfish and saying, I want this person to do this for me and be this for me and represent this for me, or, you know, just like we talked about about 10 minutes ago, even worse, they're going to fix this for me. They're going to leave me of my misery and replace it with some sort of happiness, this elusive happiness. That's really dangerous because... Not only is it projecting too much onto someone else that they may not be able to carry on your behalf because you're your own sentient being with your own agency, but again, why would anyone want to get into a relationship just to give you what you want? That sounds, well, inherently miserable. Well, it sounds like you're signing someone up to be your personal slave. Yeah, awful. No one wants to sign up for that unless... Well, they're miserable, and they like to be miserable, or they like to put themselves in the position of being taken advantage of and manipulated because either they have low self-esteem or they're a people pleaser, and they have been manipulated by someone who loves to take, 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 and realize this person can't give, give, give enough. Well, you know, it's really sad because both parties are going to find it miserable or sad or disappointing for that matter because no one can truly make somebody happy at the core. You know, you can bring happiness, make them laugh, but down deep inside, you can't bring somebody joy. And that's setting up both the man and the woman that sets up the couple to be disappointed in the end. And that's not joyful. That's that's no. depressing. No. Now, if you find yourself in a relationship where, you know, either or or both parties are not happy, it's not a lost cause because I've we've met lots of couples like this before. And being determined that if you decide you want to make this work, You can set up parameters and say, you know, I want this to work. Let's work on trying to find the positive in the relationship. There's a reason why we got together to begin with, obviously. So think about what brought you together. What brought you joy? Do those things again. Well, obviously, a little maturity and a whole lot of life wisdom can go a long way. And a lot of times, you know, we get into relationships when we're particularly young and or inexperienced. And there's a lot to learn there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, kids are used to being selfish. You know, a lot of kids in this culture, at least, are raised to get their way. A lot of times when parents are divorced, not only is there no real example to be had for how to be successful as a married couple, but mom and dad are fighting for the affection of the kid by giving that kid whatever they want. Wow, isn't that crazy? I just now thought of that. It's like a double-edged whammy. You know what I mean? And the irony is that's not what they needed anyway. No, it certainly didn't teach them how to have a good, solid relationship someday. Right. It doesn't teach them how to enjoy each other, no matter what's around them. Now, meanwhile, when people get into a relationship that's based on having found someone they're psyched to be with, and who they have genuine affection for, and who they find themselves rooting for, that's a good way to put it. You know, we're on the same team at that point. And I want you to be happy. I derive joy from your success. It's not a competition. It's not some twisted deal where the broken part of me wants you to suffer, or I want to have one up on you, or I want to lord it over you. It's, I want you to succeed. Your success is my success. And if I give to you, this is me as a man, a leader, someone who protects and provides talking. 
who embraces the true essence of virtuous masculinity talking here. If I provide, if I protect, it makes me feel like a man. And when you feel safe and you feel protected in this relationship, what happens? You give back to me. You want my happiness to increase. Now that sounds blissful, not miserable. Yet so few people seem to have stumbled upon that formula, even though it's so naturally innate within us, you know? Well, you brought up a great point, and that brings me back to what we were talking about, the lady who was saying, I ain't doing anything for man until he's proven something back to me first. How come all these people have <laughs> terrible English, <laughs> and they sound like hillbillies? I can't help it. That was sounded great, though, okay? So, back to my point. In real point. life, she didn't. She actually was from the Northeast and sounded more like a Bostonian. Well, I didn't talk to her, so anyway. This coming from a I woman who do- grew up in the hills of Kentucky. Look here. I ain't doing anything for nobody. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, so the whole premise is I'm not going to do something for someone else until they've done something for me first. It comes from a really selfish point of view and perspective. And that individual doesn't know how to how to be happy. And I'll tell you why. I know this is really cliche, but it's so true. And it's worth saying. There's more happiness in giving than there is in receiving. This is why when you do volunteer work and when you do something good for somebody, it does produce a hormone in the body that makes you happy. You feel excited about what you've just done. There's something that just happens to you that makes you feel wonderful. No one magically made you happy. It's just doing something good for someone is a healthy thing for human beings. Yeah, no doubt. Anybody who's listening who has never done a good solid day of volunteer work, for a good legitimate cause, mind you, okay, I would challenge you to go and do it because you're going to be shocked by how you get more out of it than the people you were allegedly helping. That's right. Yeah. And if you can do this for strangers, people we don't know, how much more so should we do this for the person who's the love of our life? Yeah, but the definition in my mind, basically, of a truly miserable relationship is acting out the old adage that you treat the ones you allegedly love the worst. Isn't that the secret sauce, the recipe, if you will, for a miserable relationship? I think the person who said that had to been miserable. (laughs) (laughs) Let's face it. You have to justify misery somehow. <laughs> I think that's a very good point. You know, you never take advice from miserable people, by the way. I know so many guys who are getting advice from people who are just bitter and angry, and they're expecting something good to come from that. Well, you know, you can always tell if their advice is going to be useful or not based on how it's worked for them. You know, or if it's laced with schadenfreude. Like, and I've been miserable, you know, how dare you go and try to be happy in a relationship? Arr. You know, so you're, you're a miserable person sounds like a hillbilly. Mine sounds like a pirate. <laughs> Arr, matey, how dare you be happy in a relationship? Arr. Um, You know, but regardless of the accent or how these people talk, uh, you know, the guys like the MGTOW, men going their own way. You know, they're basically blaming women for everything bad that ever happened to them. Women aren't worth it. I'm going to go my own way. Yet all these guys don't go their own way. They keep talking about women. I get guys who want to send me YouTube videos and say, read this. See, here's another example of a horrible woman. It's like I've said before, Emily, what do I get by agreeing with them? I'm not miserable. I'm happy. More specifically, I'm happy with you together. You know, remember back about 12 years ago or 13 years ago when we just started People would send me these emails. Oh, she's going to leave you. She's going to run off with some heavy metal guy or some billionaire. And it was just like, 
after about five years, those emails stopped coming. Because here we are. We're still together. And those messages come from miserable people. Bottom line. That's what's going on there. Well, we've been married 14 years, and we're blissfully married. We're happy together. So even over the course of time, I'd say our relationship is far stronger every day than the day we got married. It hasn't gotten worse. You know, some people think, well, over time, it's just naturally, you know, dissolves or it naturally isn't the same. But if you truly like each other, you get along and you're meant to be together, that's not how it works. You, you're supposed to be happy together regardless. And yeah. yeah, things do happen. And, you know, you have ups and downs as far as what life throws at you. But together, you fight those challenges in life together. And you enjoy being in each other's company, no matter how everything outside the world might turn out to be. You know, it's kind of built around the concept of what I call connectability. The more traits you have that are inherently likable to others, the easier it is for you to find someone who you're going to like, who's going to like you back. You will attract the kind of person you deserve, deserving what you want. And if you're optimistic and generous and you're with someone you actually like, chances are, well, wait for it. You're not going to be miserable. Right. And you know, happy people are contagious. That's right. You're just naturally drawn to them. So if you find a way or you see that you're, you're negative and you find a way to change that and be more positive and uplifting, you will attract other people in your life because it's attractive. Well, the world may never know whether the chicken or the egg came first here. But if you are not a miserable person, if you are not bitter, if you're optimistic about finding someone who's going to be the right person for you in a relationship, and you're all about giving uh, without agenda, then the chances are, as a happy, content person who isn't miserable, you will find a relationship that increases that happiness rather than turning you miserable. I think that's basically the bottom line here. Oh, I think that's absolutely right. You find two people who know how to be happy and joyful. It just, when you put them together, it just explodes in wonderfulness. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I don't know. It needs to be another word for that. Bliss. Blissful. That's your favorite word. I like that yeah. word. Your newsletter is called Keys to Bliss. Absolutely. Anyway, if you would like to perhaps find a blissful relationship for yourself, if you're not a miserable person and you want to find a person who's equally not miserable and get into a relationship that, well, you know, I'm not going to say you live happily ever after because I don't want to be Pollyannish. You know, stuff does happen in life. But someone who you love going through life with, someone who's a true partner, why not talk to Emily and I about that? Let's put a plan of action in place to get you from where you are right now to where you want to be. And the best place to start is by clicking the big red button in the upper right-hand corner at either mountaintoppodcast.com if you're a guy or scottandemily.com front slash podcast if you're a lady. And we'd be happy to talk to you. We're exactly who you think we are. We're real down-to-earth people. And we can't wait to talk to you. Right, Emily? That's right. We look forward to hearing from you. And that's all there for you at either mountaintoppodcast.com or scottandemily.com front slash podcast. And with that, from here at X and Y Communications in San Antonio, Texas, I'm Scott McKay. And I'm Emily McKay. Be good. And have fun. You've been listening to the X and Y on the Fly Dating Podcast with Scott and Emily McKay. Copyright 2009 by the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be sure to listen to Scott and Emily's other podcasts, including The Chick Whisper, Dating Cast, and Online Dating Profile Rating, all found on iTunes or at x-net-media.com. 
Also, check out Scott and Emily on the web at www.deservewhatyouwant.com. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be good and have fun.